few weeks ago, a few months ago, uh, I had announced that we're having a potluck. And uh, we had all kinds of different reactions. People were shouting and screaming, whoa, and so on. Well, I'm not announcing that today, but I am announcing that there is a feast coming. And uh, this feast is going to be amazing. Uh, it's better than any feast that you've ever come to. And uh, we're going to read about it in Matthew, and we're going to see what the Lord has to say. So open your hearts to the Word of God, and let's see what the, where the Lord is going to take us with that. We've been going through Matthew, and uh, we've been looking at different things in terms of parables. And uh, these parables have been educational. They've been shocking. I told you that uh, parables are intended by Jesus as he was using them to sort of flip the table on the listeners. The listeners were listening to something that was familiar to them, a concept that they had understood. When he was talking about a vineyard, when he was talking about wine, when he was talking about all kinds of different things, uh, the concept wasn't foreign to them. It may be foreign to us because we are so far removed from a farming, agrarian type society. But the Lord is trying to speak to us to that, through that today. So, uh, where am I here? As we looked at all of these different examples, Jesus was using the different parables to highlight something about the kingdom. So in this parable, let's read it together, and then we're going to focus on a few points. Uh, Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burnt their city. Wow. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the banquet, to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him, hand and foot, and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. And that's our story. May God bless the reading of his word. 
in our hearing. And uh, let's talk about it. There's been many commentaries about many of the different parables. Some have likened the king to God and the slaves that had gone to the servants of God, the prophets, and the son for whom the banquet is being prepared to Jesus. But I have trouble with that. I have trouble with that because it doesn't display the character of God that Jesus is explaining to us about. So we have to think differently about how we interpret these parables. The point here isn't to teach you on interpretation of parables. The point is for us to understand the heart of Jesus when he was giving this parable about this king. I mean, there's so many different things that we can look at that tell us that the king is not God. But it's a lesson. It's a lesson with limited parallel implications. What we know about God is that his heart is very wide. He has demonstrated over and over again his mercy. You know, in his relationship with the nation of Israel historically throughout the Old Testament, we find that God has continually not sent fire to burn his people when they weren't coming to the banquet. He would send more prophets. He would send more ways to woo them. He gave us the illustration of the prophet whose wife was a prostitute. He goes and tells the prophet, go marry this wife. Buy her from the market as a prostitute. Bring her home, clean her up. And the, the prophet Hosea was trying to understand what is this about God? And then he tells him that this is my relationship with Israel. She's a prostitute in her heart. She has slept with so many idols, with so many gods, but I want her and I bring her back. And I, this is the character of the God that we see in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, that he's a gracious, loving, forgiving, wooing God. So this king in this example isn't God, but there is a key here that Jesus is saying this kingdom is like this king who wants to invite people to a banquet. We see the, the heart of God in so many different ways, in different uh, examples. So, I'm trying to keep up with the different devices here. So we see that there is an aspect of this story that is, let's call it the invitation. There's an invitation that's been given. And I guess we who are here are the ones that have the invitation. Every Sunday we're invited to come to church. Every Wednesday we're invited to come to small group. Every Friday we're invited to come to a different small group. Uh, we had the prayer meeting. All of these things are the invitation where we can come into contact and feast with God. But... Every invitation comes with a request for response. In French, they call it répondez s'il vous plaît, respond if you please. Or in English, we have made the acronym right now. What is it? R-S-V-P. Okay. So 
those who are invited have been given the opportunity to RSVP. Now you can select if you want gluten-free, you want for this feast, you can select all kinds of different things. You want fish or steak or chicken. You can select all of these different things, but there's an invitation that he's inviting us to for a response. And sometimes we take it for granted. And sometimes we figure, yeah, you know, I'll respond to the next feast. Maybe the other son is going to get married. I'll go to that one. But the opportunity has been given. This king gets angry because he is the lord of the domain that these citizens are living in. It is his son. It's his kingdom. It's his party. They're his subjects. But his heart is so wide. God's heart is so wide. This king's heart isn't that wide. This king's heart is jealous for his son. He decides if these people are disrespecting my son and they're killing my slaves, I'm going to teach them a lesson. So go beat them up. Burn their city. Such a human reaction. Such a broken reaction. Revenge. Vengeance. That's a very human reaction. It isn't God. Jesus is speaking to us at multiple levels through this parable. He's speaking to us about the kindness of God, but yet the unkindness of humanity. And we see that today. And the way we react to one another. Oh yeah, you want to hurt me? I'll show you. I'll beat you up and I'll burn your city down. Let's say individually. I'll burn you down. I'll stomp all over you. Yeah. So when the, the kingdom is likened to the king who's giving a feast, the invitation goes out and it's waiting for the RSVP. So there's the acceptance and the rejection and the reaction of the king. What would you do if you have prepared a banquet? For your eldest son, maybe your only son. And those that you have been watching over, those that you've been caring for, if you were the king, what would your reaction be? Jesus just exposed what this king's reaction was. In the uh, interaction between the king and his subjects, there's a consequence. There's a consequence to the rejection. There's a consequence to the acceptance. But in this case, we're dealing with the rejection. Part of what we go through 
in our aligning ourselves. If we were to think of ourselves as the king of our being, and as the king of this body, the king of this emotions, the king of this will, the king of all that I am, if I've decided I want to bring this kingdom of me, you bring the kingdom of you, into the feast of the Lord, let's say we're subjects with our own domains, right? When you decide you want to bring this kingdom into the feast, there are elements in your life that will conflict against the will that you have and the decision that you've made to go to the feast. And we face that every day. You face that in every decision that you're making. There are elements inside of you. There are citizens that take residence inside your dominion, inside your kingdom, that are constantly in conflict with your good decision to follow God. Try to understand what I'm saying here. There are different citizens inside this kingdom. My desires, my shames, my fears, my ambitions, all of that resides in me. And if I've made the decision to invite all of me into the alignment with God, there are conflicts that take place constantly between my good decision as the king to bring all of me into the kingdom and the elements inside me that are in conflict with that decision. Is that too vague or too uh, heady? I don't think so. I think we've all experienced that to some degree. Paul says that there's this wicked man inside of me that is in conflict with me at all times. Oh, wretched man that I am. I want to do the right thing, but I end up doing the wrong thing. My king, the king of me, wants to follow after God, but the citizens, the elements that make up the, king, the kingdom of me are in constant battle and conflict against the king's decision. I want to do good, but I end up doing bad. I want to surrender everything to, kingdom, to the kingdom of God and to God himself, but there are elements that are constantly in conflict within me that don't allow me to align fully with everything that I am with God. If we begin to think about the kingdom of God in an individual and the king who's in charge of the individual and how this king of this individual wants to bring the entire person into the feast, this parable begins to open up to us and make a little bit more sense than trying to liken this king to God. Because it doesn't fit with God. It doesn't fit with the character of God. It doesn't fit with the history of God. But it definitely fits with the character of the human individual. It definitely fits with how we, inside of us, as the kings of our own lives, sometimes get angry at ourselves. Sometimes get into conflict with our being internally. We get into fights within ourselves. We're torn. There's the one part of us that wants to do the good, and there's another part of us that doesn't want to do the good.
we saw when they came together for the feast, how he went out and gathered all kinds of things outside, or people outside. Why didn't he do that in the first place? That's another problem. If we take the, this, gospel, this parable to be God, the king is God. Why didn't he invite everybody? He ended up doing that. The parable can't be God. It's not about God. It's about another principle. It's about another principle of the kingdom and how that kingdom applies. He wants us to bring all of us, not just the, the good parts of us, the parts we value. There are parts inside of us that we value, each one of us. There are things about ourselves that we value more than others. Your education, your intellect, your beauty, your youth. Those things may turn on you, may decide not to come to the party, but he wants all of you. So he sends out, the king sends out these invitations to the different parts of the city, the different streets, the regular streets, not the expensive streets, not the high-end streets, maybe the ghettos, the shameful places, every place, and he gathers everybody. When I see it as part of who I am, there are things that I never consider that need to come into the kingdom as far as my character, as far as my being. But God wants all of it. He doesn't only want the valuable things. The king probably just invited the nobility. Usually that's how it goes. When a king is going to marry one of his children, he invites that class of people. He doesn't invite the regulars of the city or the kingdom. He's inviting the nobility. You know, the, the marquis of this or the lord of that. And we possess that inside of us. Those inhabitants inside myself that I really value. My experiences. The things that I can put on a biography if I'm sending my biography to some people. Those are the things that we value. But a lot of times those things hinder us. They hinder us from coming into the fullness of what God wants us to be. So the invitation goes out. We decide one way or the other. But the king decides, you know what? This is all going to get burnt. Do you remember Jesus talking about burning things before? What did he say about accumulating different things that we value on earth. He said that there are works that are going to be like straw and stubble that will burn in the fire. But there are things that you should be accumulating like treasures that will not burn through fire. So there was a fire in the city. But he went into the streets and he invited the different people. So those people come in. And as those people are coming in, somehow they had prepared. Somehow they got all ready for this party, this feast. You know, the story goes that the kingdom of uh, Armenia, at the time of Jesus, the king was sick. And uh, he wanted, the king wanted Jesus to come to Armenia to heal him. So they knew that Jesus was not a rich man. 
So one of the people in the king's court decided, along with the invitation, to send a royal robe to Jesus. And Jesus receives the robe, receives the letter, writes back by dictating the letter and Thomas writing it. I shared, I shared this with you before. And he sends the letter back telling the king of Armenia that I'm going to not come to you, but after my mission is done, I'm going to send you two of my disciples and they will come and they bring healing to you. And the legend is that this robe that they sent was worn by Jesus during his walk to the cross. And that the, the, the soldiers that drew lots and gambled for it, it was on this very robe that they were trying to figure out. They figured he's going to die, he's not going to need it, so let's just take it. Which one of us takes it? Well, let's throw some dice and see what happens. So the king of Armenia knew that Jesus didn't have a robe, so he sent them one. So now this kingdom, this example, this parable, the king knows his citizens don't all have robes, so he must have somehow provided robes for them all. But this one guy gets in, and let's look at it. He noticed there there was a man not wearing a wedding robe. Well, these were simple people. They didn't all have wedding robes. So they must have been supplied somehow by the slaves. Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? There are things that are still in us that if we don't submit to the process of preparation for the feast, are going to still come with us to the feast. But they're not going to be ready. They're, not, they're going to be half-baked. Can I say that? They're going to be half-prepared. But God wants all of us to come into the feast. Each of me in my kingdom. I know I'm going back and forth between the kingdom of God being God as the one who's inviting us to the feast and the kingdom of this king as being me. I'm trying to sort of marry the two because it's a reality. There's a feast that's coming. There's an invitation that's coming to the banquet to the, of the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're all invited to that. All of humanity is invited to that. This king of kings, the God of all creation, has prepared a marriage supper, a marriage banquet for his son. This is almost like Jesus is playing a game here with the people listening. And he's sort of drawing them in. That there is an invitation that's going out for all of humanity to come into. But you now are the king of your own domain. And there are elements in your own life that are just not worthy of entering into the presence of God. Into the presence of the holy king of kings. So what are you going to do about it? The king's, this king's answer is pretty harsh. He said, bind him up. Bind this one element. Bind this one citizen in your own kingdom. Bind that thing up. Constrain it. Put it under discipline. Put it under restraint. It could be a lust in your heart. It could be a rage. It could be an anger. It could be an unforgiveness. It could be a habit. Whatever it is that is unprepared, undressed, not properly dressed for the wedding, take control of it. Bind it. Put it out 
of the regular flow of life in the outer darkness. Hide it away into a corner that it doesn't have the opportunity to manifest itself and speak into your rest of your life and your activities. Whatever that habit, whatever that thought process is, whatever that thing is that's against the wedding, that is not dressed for the wedding, that you may be ashamed of, that thought process, that habit, that, that behavior that is shameful, that's naked in a way, that's not refined. That part of you that is ugly, and I'm not talking about appearance, I'm talking about ugliness. We all have them. We all want to hide them when we're interacting with each other. Sometimes if I display mine, it may enrage you to the point that you display yours. Do you know what I'm talking about? If my ugliness comes out, somehow it invites your ugliness to come out. And we get into it. If I step on your toe, you reach back with the other foot. Have you ever had a toe fight? I used to have that with the kids when they were younger. We would just like... But this is not that kind of fight. We humans have a lot of ugliness, but we dress it up. We put nice robes on it, but this ugliness didn't have a robe. This one part of the city of this man's kingdom wasn't dressed properly. So he tells the, the king says, bind it, get rid of it, starve it. Don't let it come into the kingdom's feast and enjoy the meal. Starve it. You know, if there are cells in your body that are not growing right, you can try different treatments. One of the treatments is to starve it from nutrients so it doesn't grow. We do that with different radiation, sometimes with cancers, with different things. You starve it. But these citizens, what he's saying here is bind them. Bind this one citizen that's not prepared. Hand and foot. Crucify it to the cross, hand and foot. Throw him in the outer darkness where there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's an ugly scene. Gnashing of teeth, weeping. Who's going to be doing the weeping? All those that are bound. All those that don't have the preparation. There are elements inside of each of us that need to be bound, that need to be constrained. Now, do we do that? Do I have the strength to do that on my own, to bring my own being into the place that I am worthy to enter into the presence of God? History tells us that we don't. Experience tells us that we don't on an individual basis. We don't have the authority to do that. Or we don't have the power. To, we have the authority, but we don't have the power. So Jesus came on the cross, took all of our humanity with him, and he took that and died on the cross, hands bound, feet bound, head with a crown of thorns, 
died on the cross for all of humanity. So whatever we notice is not worthy, is not prepared, is not ready. We can bring to him and attach to him on the cross so that it would die with him and be resurrected. So whatever piece of us, every piece of us, needs to be aligned with him, taken to the cross with him, dead with him, so it comes out in resurrection. And those pieces that we don't submit to that are the pieces that are going to end up being cast out into the outer darkness. I don't want to go missing a limb into the kingdom of God. I don't want to go missing an eye. I don't want to go missing an ear. So I have to be careful what I watch. I have to be careful what I hear. I don't want to go missing a hand. I have to be careful what I do with my hands. So I can bring all of me into alignment with the death of Jesus on the cross. So all of me goes into that process of preparation. So when it comes out, it's fully dressed and prepared. I know I'm speaking in a lot of flowery, illustrative language today, but I hope you're tracking with me. Because this parable gives us a beautiful example of the person and how the person needs to be aligned with God's kingdom. Many are called and few are chosen. Man, there are sermons that are preached on that one verse. Many are called, few are chosen. Everyone is called. The easiest way to understand that is everyone is called. Every human on the, the planet is called to the wedding. But the ones who choose are the ones who are chosen. The ones who are SVP are the ones who are coming to the wedding. So this kingdom is fully inclusive, fully open to everything, to everyone, to every aspect of everyone, to the craziness, to the goodness, but it better be dressed. It better be aligned. What part of me can I bring in? You can bring all of you. What part of my city can I bring in? You can bring the whole city. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, the young, the old, the, you name it, bring it all in. It includes every part of you. It includes every aspect of you. But not every aspect will be allowed in. You'll be allowed in. What are you saying? Are you suggesting a purgatory? <laughs> I don't know. But I know that everything that's invited in you needs to come through a filter and that filter is the cross if you don't come through the cross parts will be left behind we will have glorious new bodies but I don't know if they're going to be missing pieces that's a weird concept because everything is perfect in heaven everything has been made perfect in heaven But there is a concept of it's better to enter without a hand or without an eye than not at all. That different 
authors in the Bible talk about. I don't know exactly how that translates in terms of what that means and who is resurrected with what missing pieces. But don't you want to be whole? Don't you want to come in with your whole being into the presence of God to bring everything that you are responsible for? There are other parables that Jesus gave about the one who's been given one and two and five talents. And the one that had two invested it and doubled it. The one that had five did the same. The one that had one buried it. And he took that away from him. So don't you want to come in with the full investment, with the full profit, with the full goodness of the kingdom of God that's been sown into you? I do. I want to be bringing everything that God has given me and say, Lord, I've been faithful in what you've given me. It may not be much, but look what I've done with it. This parable is mind-blowing. This parable has been paired this week for today's Sunday with the different scriptures that are there in the lectionary. And we've been going through these different lectionary Sundays for the last number of months now. We are going to continue for some time. But in today's verses is also Psalm 23. So when we look at that psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now think of yourself as the sheep who is the king, who is responsible for all the sheep's citizens within the sheep, all the parts of the sheep. And you're coming into the invitation to bring yourself as that sheep into the kingdom, into the, the, the shepherd's feast. And he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. In other words, there's plenty of food, all the resources I need because he's a shepherd who is my shepherd, because he's my shepherd, I lack nothing. I lack no food. I lack no peace. Because the quiet waters means there's no turbulence in my life. The water is quietly running in this river. It's peaceful. There isn't conflict. There isn't war. There isn't thunder and lightning and the water is just like waves. It's peaceful. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the path, the right path for his namesake. He doesn't take me up and down valleys and hills. He's taking me along a straight path. He's faithful to carry me through. Even though I walk through the darkest valleys, we, we were praying this on Friday. This psalm was also on the Friday list. I will fear no evil. For you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So this shepherd that is inviting me to this banquet, me as the king, I have to invite all of the elements of my city, my responsibility. Because he's the king of kings. And I'm a king of this. And he's inviting me now to bring my kingdom into his. And now I'm bringing the pieces, but I'm noticing that the pieces that I thought were precious aren't coming. They're neglecting this invitation. But now I send the invitation to all the other pieces. And sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes we don't value the other elements within ourselves. 
but he's saying invite all of you. Invite your whole being. So inviting him, even though through, I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, in another translation, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Now he's talking to the shepherd. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your discipline and your guidance, they comfort me. The rod is that little piece of wood that sometimes a shepherd uses. It's not that long staff with the hook on the end. You know the shepherd's staff with the hook? That one is the one that he uses to rescue the sheep if they fall out of it, uh, into a ditch or they fall off a cliff and they get caught in some bushes. He uses that one to hook them and bring them back. That's the same one they use on stage when you go too long. You know the one? Okay. But the other one, the rod, isn't a big long one with a hook. It's the short one. And that's the one that he uses sometimes to tap the sheep on the head to sort of straighten them up. That's the one that sometimes he puts in between the sheep's legs and uses it to snap one of their legs to break it. A good shepherd does that, by the way. A good shepherd sometimes breaks a leg because that sheep is wandering too far, too away, too much into trouble all the time. So he breaks that sheep's leg, bandages it up, and keeps it close by so that that sheep gets used to him and his smell and his ability to walk and walks in pace with the shepherd. And by the time that sheep's leg heals, that sheep is now broken. That sheep is now aligned. That sheep is now in order. So we do the same as the king of me, inviting the rest of those elements in me. Sometimes I need to take the rod and break that leg of that element in me that needs to be broken and aligned. Don't be afraid to do that. Don't be afraid to break a bad habit. Don't be afraid to break a an undisciplined part of your life. Bring it into alignment. Why? Because those things, his rod and his staff comfort me. You've heard it said that children need to know boundaries. If you don't give children boundaries, they grow unruly. But if you give children boundaries, they know that they're safe. Because someone cares enough for them to put a boundary around the areas that they should step out of or not step out of and not step into. It's the same with us. If you don't give yourself your elements in your kingdom, if you don't give them boundaries, they will grow wild. If you don't give yourself some self-discipline, some self-control, they will go crazy. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint your, my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you see the connection between this and the invitation? Not only are we invited to the son's banquet, not only is the king inviting me, but now in that banquet, I'm going to live in that house forever. I'm not just going to be invited to a banquet, but I'm being adopted to live into the house of the king forever. The king of kings, not this king in, in Matthew 22. This king now, me, 
I'm bringing all my parts into me, aligning them with my desire to follow God because God is going to take me, the king of me, and plug me into the life and the flow of the king of kings who has been made up. It's a one person that is made up of so many persons. He is the body of Christ, the head. We are the body. So we are plugging. I know I'm using so many illustrations all together today. I hope you're tracking with me and you're following because I'm using, I'm trying to bring up to the place that we see the cohesiveness, the uniformity and the unity of the gospel and how all these parables and how these illustrations are actually one thing. He wants all of you and all of us together to be in his kingdom, complete and whole. He's drawing us in. He's using different words, different sermons, different parables, different illustrations, all for one thing. Wow. Amazing. God is so patient. He's so kind. He's so gentle. So when Jesus gives these parables... Shola just came out to tell me to slow it down. Thank you. I'm sorry. We have uh, different people that we work together, Shola and I, in different contexts. One of them is a watchman context, where she actually is one of the interpreters in Farsi for the gatherings that we have online. And uh, we have designed it now so that the interpreters have the opportunity to interpret even though the people may be speaking fast. Because we, we discovered that people, when they're in the zone, it's hard to control them sometimes. So what we did was on the stage, we had the English, and then we had another person translating in Chinese sentence by sentence. So when the person is translating into Chinese, that gives the other interpreters the time to be able to translate into whatever language you're doing. We don't have that uh, right now on this setup, but uh, Shole has to bear the brunt of that. He's inviting us. He's inviting us into a banquet. And there is a feast that's coming. This feast is the best feast ever. It has been prepared by God for the marriage of his son. One of the favorite activities of a church I've discovered, it doesn't matter what church, is the potluck. So this feast, the way we read about it, is the father's the one who's preparing it all. But I have a feeling he's preparing it as a potluck because he's inviting every one of us to bring to that feast our dish. Our dish is who we are. Our dish is what we have done with this kingdom. Our dish is flavored with our own seasonings. The things that we have gone through, the pains that we have endured, the changes that we have brought within ourselves to align. 
that is going to be the most glorious. When his son sees the impact of his dying on the cross in each one of our lives. And what that has translated to in our surrender to him. Sometimes we think selfishly, oh, I'm going to eat the best lobster that day. I'm going to have the best, thickest, nicest steak, the fattened calf. Right? But what do you think? It's going to be about the meat and the blood of animals? No. It's going to be the expression of the bride of Christ that has been fully aligned fully surrendered that's why I went through all these examples that's why I stress the fact that you are the king of your kingdom and there are things that need to be aligned in you things that are hidden that nobody sees that you need to invite to this banquet things that everybody sees and they're the big ones that are so proud of what they are doing that are going to end up not showing up so don't count those things as huge accomplishments. He wants every part of you. Those accomplishments may come too. They're all invited. He doesn't want you to give those up. But he wants all of you. He wants every part of your city to come. He wants every part, every individual cell of you to come into this banquet. So stop fighting him. Stop, you know, lifting things up and at the cost of others. Bring it all. Because this banquet needs every flavor. Everything under the sun is going to be in this banquet. Young and old. Important and unimportant. Small and big. You know, sometimes when you're preparing a dish, you know, when you look at the list of ingredients on a package that you buy, it tells you the f biggest one or the most, the, the biggest ingredient first, right? But then there are other ingredients at the very end that are just mentioned in a group, seasonings. It doesn't even deserve to have its own name listed, right? Right? on the ingredients list but without those individual seasonings that one little piece of seasoning it may be just a third of a quarter of a teaspoon it's important without that the dish won't be the same so it's the same with us each one of us is important every aspect of who you are is important within your own kingdom, the wildest, craziest, weirdest ideas and thoughts that you have are important to God. But he wants them restrained. He wants them in the robes. He wants them properly dressed to come in. So check with him. God, is this weird idea deserve to come into your kingdom? He'll say, absolutely, but fix it up. Bring it into the robe. Make it fit into the robe of Christ. Have his robe cover it. And watch what I'm going to do with it. I pray that this message has somehow 
expanded your thinking about what you are responsible for. Expanded your understanding of this kingdom and what God wants to do. Because the feast is coming and your dish is important. And I want to taste it. He wants to taste it. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be the best potluck ever. All the dishes will be tasted by everybody. Everybody will be able to enjoy them. But most of all, Jesus is going to look at them all and say, these are my disciples. These are my bride. These together are so good. So as you're seated there, I'm going to invite you to make a decision. I'm going to invite you to surrender your whole being to him. That may mean some parts need to go to the cross. That may mean some parts need to be bound up and put outside. That may mean some parts need to be wakened up. That, mean, that may mean some parts of your being need to be burnt. Beat them up and burn the city. So if you're ready to do that, just quietly in your own space, close your eyes, maybe hold your hands open, and follow me in this prayer. Lord, your kingdom has been likened to so many things. My biases may have valued certain aspects of my life, neglecting others. But Lord, you are asking for all of me, and I bring you all of me. So Lord, I give you freedom to crush the parts of me that need crushing, to build up the parts of me that need building up, to dress up, glorify, magnify, dress up parts of me that are not yet dressed, that I may come in wholeness into your kingdom. I want that, Lord. I desire that. And I submit to that. For your name's sake, Jesus, and by the authority that you've given us to speak and pray in that name, I say, your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life as you desire it in heaven. That your name would be hallowed, lifted up in my life today as it is now lifted up in heaven. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. I pray this message gets you thinking. And uh, I pray that the Lord will continue. He will. I don't need to pray that. He will. I pray that you open yourself up to all his guidance at all times. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.